Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Good News Podcast. I am so excited that you guys have made it here, whether on purpose or on accident. Although I don't believe in any accidents, I only believe in divine appointments. So I want you guys to all know that you guys are here for a reason and a purpose, and the Lord has made it so. I am so excited that you guys are here. My name is Rosalie Janelle, and I am the host of the Good News Podcast. This is going to be the first episode of many. On this episode, I will be giving you guys the inside scoop on my testimony and my walk with Christ and how he has transformed my life forever. What a better way for me to start a podcast than to share my own story and then continue sharing other people's stories. Before I get into all of that, I just want to do a quick shout out. Um, And of course, first and foremost, to God for giving me this assignment over my life. I'm so glad that he has purposed me with amplifying my voice so that the stories of others can be heard. The stories that have transformed people forever can be heard. Secondly, I just want to thank everybody who has encouraged me and even supported me to begin going down this route. Once you guys all get to know me, you'll know that this was a far-fetched idea and uh, being vocal or expressive about my most intimate thoughts with the world was not something I wanted to do, (laughs) but I knew when the Lord placed it on my heart to start using my voice and my life as a vessel to inspire others that I could not turn down the call. Lastly, I want you guys as listen before we get into the story or my story, I want you guys as the listeners to understand the the mission behind this podcast. Through the stories of his people, I want to unveil the power of Jesus Christ. I really truly believe, and the word also says that by the word of our testimony, we shall overcome the enemy. I really believe that by sharing our um, situations, things that we've gone through in life, and how the Lord's power has worked in the midst of all of that, will truly encourage and empower others to uh, walk with God and take full control of their own life and and really reconcile with God these things that things that you can't do without him right I have three main goals during this podcast while doing all of this while sharing each other's stories and um, sharing my own story the first is that we give glory to God who deserves it and he deserves it for every single thing including just the sound of this audio being recorded (laughs) But yeah, so that we first glorify God, secondly, that we capture the attention of non-believers and inspire them to take a step towards accepting Jesus Christ, even if it's just a seed. You know, we have to plant seeds here and there, and what better way than to share our own stories and the way that the Lord has worked in our lives. And the third goal is to offer a beacon of hope to believers and non-believers everywhere that are healing and beginning their own walk with Jesus Christ. Without further ado, I want to go ahead and kind of jump in um, into my personal background so that you guys could understand where I came from and understand um, how I got to where I am today. So again, my name is Rosalie Janelle. I'm 27 years old. I also go by Rose, so you guys can totally call me that. Um, So I'm 27 years old. I was born here in Jersey, and I currently reside in Jersey, but I was raised in Massachusetts. I was raised with my family, uh, my siblings. 
I have an older sister and an older brother, and then I have my dad and my mom, and I was blessed enough to um, grow up with all of them surrounding me up until my college years. And I, I, what do I say? I can't be like more lucky to have the people that I have in my life. I now have a bunch of nieces and nephews, and I am a very excited aunt. <laughs> um, and honestly, I'm just blessed to have the family that I have. Growing up, um, you know, we weren't rich or anything, but I would say that my parents provided with what they had. And it was amazing, you know, to watch my parents grow um, and sacrifice for us. But I never felt like sacrifice. So that's a little bit of my background. I'll let you know where I am. Oh, and also, so my career is I'm an operations supervisor. And I do that in the emergency travel um, industry and basically what I do is I coordinate medical evacuations to take place um, when they're needed and when you're traveling outside of the country um, so that's kind of what I do and my job in itself is just a testimony because it's something that I never thought I would be doing but I love to do it so now that you know a little bit about my background um, I'll kind of talk a little bit about my faith uh, over the years in my early years when I was a child, we I was raised Catholic, I would say. And by raised Catholic, I really mean like, you know, we went to mass on Easter and Christmas. And the only other time I was exposed to like anything Catholic was like, well, I'm Dominican. So we do these things called Ora Santa. And it's basically when you pray to a bunch of saints to commemorate the dead members in your family. So <laughs> that's as far as the extent of my religion growing up goes. So I, you know, I didn't come from, I wasn't a church goer go, growing up or anything like that. I did, however, go to Catholic school and that, you know, that gave me a little bit of a foundation to understand faith and understand the Bible. Um, but it wasn't everything that I needed at the time. So we'll get into that. But basically, my personal current belief, I'm a Christian, I go to a non-denominational church. And um, I go to a church in Howell, New Jersey. And I love it there. Um, before that, I was going to another non-denominational church in Massachusetts before I moved. And yeah, so that's kind of everything that you really need to know for back and content <laughs> before for you to background content for you guys to really understand um, my story, right? So now you know all about all these things, you know about my upbringing, you know about my family, you know about um, even high school, I guess. <laughs> um, I want to say let's take it back to my college year so my freshman year my freshman year was the first year that you know like I said I was exposed I was the extent of my religion was Catholicism and it was very rare we weren't practicing Catholics um, I didn't even get like my first communion or my confirmation which uh, you know if you are Catholic or have any experience with that then you know that that's like you know growing up that's something you just do um, but I didn't do that um, and then going into college my first year was my first year that I was really um, for the first time exposed and had well not exposed but influenced um, by others in their own religions and walk with God 
and I would say influence because I really didn't um, question my own, you know, faith at that time. I didn't, I thought I was a believer, I guess, but it turned out I probably was not. Um, I really thought I had faith, but being going to college and being exposed to other people and watching them in their faiths um, really created questions about my own relationship with God. And um, particularly, I became best friends with um, my still current best friend, and she is a practicing Christian, has been a Christian all her life. And I saw how immersed and amongst her also other people were in being Christians. And, you know, like that made me start to question like, well, you know, why don't I have a relationship like that with God? Nevertheless, um, I actually stopped going to mass. I did the opposite of what somebody who has questions about God or maybe the common thing. Who knows? I don't know. But for me, it felt like the total opposite thing. Um, and I just stopped going to mass because, you know, I, I knew that I had questions, but I just knew that I wasn't going to find it in the Catholic religion. And that's not I mean, that's not bashing the Catholic religion. I just truly knew that that it wasn't there for me. And so after I started to question my relationship with God, I stopped going to church um, altogether. And I mean, a lot of bad decisions came after that. I just remember living like a not like a faithless life. I wouldn't call it hopeless, but a faithless life. Like I didn't really believe in a higher anything. I didn't, you know, I, I certainly wasn't acting like it. And maybe I was trying to suppress my questions that I had about God. But I don't know. They led to a lot of bad decisions. Um, and ultimately, the two most um, or the one bad decision that it ultimately led to was me flunking out of school and eventually I just we couldn't afford it there was no more loans I had bad grades like um and that was like the beginning of my junior year this really took a toll on me you know like I up until that point in my life I was someone who I thought I was pretty successful I was you know um ambitious amb ambitious sorry goal driven and when I realized that I failed out of college and you know that I couldn't continue and try to redeem myself and uh, eventually just had to move back to Massachusetts I mean I was pretty oh I went to college in Jersey if I didn't mention that sorry about that guys um, but I was pretty devastated I came back home to Massachusetts and I was um, I was pretty depressed I was making bad choices I was partying hard um, I remember one week where I was it was so bad you know like I like at this point like I said I was making bad choices I kept on going back and forth from Massachusetts to Jersey because I was wrapped up in some bad relationship with some dude and I was just like going back and forth because I wanted to be there with him but my full-time job was in Massachusetts and I mean you could have just imagined the financial strain it was just bad decisions and what I like to call not a good situation. <laughs> um, and I even remember that there was one week in 2014 where I, I remember having suicidal ideations and I was just like, I, I don't know, like it was just, it just got that bad for me. It just got like, I, I didn't know and I didn't know God. I didn't know what my purpose on life was and 
I felt like there was no reason for me to be around anymore. I mean, there was no a serious attempt. And, and I thank God every day for that. I think back at, I mean, now looking back, I look at the provision of God because, you know, back then I didn't understand that God was with me, but he really was with me. The Lord made sure that, you know, when I was in that time period of my life where I was so lost and um, confused and hopeless that I was surrounded by people who love me. So I actually happened to live with my family at the time. And I can only imagine how that situation could have gone south. Um, if, you know, had I been living in a different place or away from my family, but the love and the support for my family really was what helped me overcome that time period. Nonetheless, I didn't really make better decisions after that. Um, you know, from 2014 to like 2016, I'll call it <laughs> the abyss because it was just really a pit of time where I, some things I don't even remember. Like, honestly, I was just like, again, I was in that constant partying mode. I was drinking heavy. I was looking for self-worth in men through relationships and dating. Um, I was looking for for validation from titles like at one point I think I had three even three jobs and I was just like I was just chasing something that I, I really couldn't receive out of worldly things um, and lastly I was looking for appreciation from others um, because I used to have a fix-it personality I used to have to be everybody else's savior um, so that was something that I used to do a lot those things that I was searching for um made me make decisions eventually that weren't good for me like because I was seeking validation because I was seeking worth because I was seeking appreciation I started making bad decisions or worse decisions that I had already made um and in late in 2016 uh, probably a really bad decision that I made I started dating this man and I mean, I'm not going to paint it all bad. In the beginning, it was all roses and flowers. Um, by month three, we were like madly in love, you know. So and that's how most relationships starts off, you know, and then you rush into it and you don't see any of the bad stuff. I will say there was definitely um, something in the third month that I I remember that I felt tolerated and not accepted by him. And that should have really been a red flag. But for someone like me who was seeking for all this validation from men, um, I mean, I was just desperate for love, I think. I was desperate for, for the one thing that I felt like I didn't know how to give. I didn't know how to receive. I was desperate for it. So I was like, well, I could fix this. You know, I, I could I could stay with him and eventually he'll love me or eventually he'll accept me for who I am um and I was a serious fixer since then the Lord has <laughs> definitely delivered me from fixing other people um uh, nonetheless me and this man became serious um maybe like six months into the relationship we you know we were seriously dating and uh, month nine we move in together and I mean <laughs> This is probably already sounding really bad for to everybody, right? Um, we moved in together before marriage, and that was like probably the fifth red flag that I should have probably like ran for the other direction, but I didn't. You know, I at the time thought that I was chasing the Lord in the manner that I should. I was 
going to church. And once I started going to church, he went to church too. And so I'm like, okay, we're church goers. We're, we're fine. I mean, but it was certainly not a Christ centered relationship. And, um, and we were definitely living together. We weren't abstaining. So there was just many, it brought our sin to it. Like we were already, you know, I was already very sinful, but it brought my sin to a whole nother level, you know? And I mean, one thing led to another, the relationship was eventually went from a positive to a negative. Eventually, I can't remember exactly pinpoint the turning point, but um, it, it progressed in toxicity. It was, you know, one day we were good. The next day we were bad. Um, and like I said earlier, I, I really thought that I was chasing the Lord. So I thought that this is, this was part of my process. I don't, I don't know why I thought that, but I really thought that I'm like, all right, I just have to get through this. I just have to get through being with this guy through this rough time I don't know um I try to make sense out of it but there was no sense when I was operating back then um and then on my own individual walk with Christ at the time you know I think I had like I think I was pretending to be on fire for God because I remember like literally going to church on Sundays and then living what however I wanted Monday through Saturday and never really carrying out the principles of what I was learning um, week by week in my everyday life so I don't you know I don't know I was just all lost and confused I was confused about who God was I didn't know back then what I know now I didn't know that he was healer I didn't know he was a counselor I didn't know he was a provider I used to rely on men and other things external things of the world to give me all those things that only really God could give me and so like that's why I say I was pretending I don't think that I knew I was pretending I don't think I was out here blatantly lying that I was a Christian but I think that I was very confused um, overall I was doing what I like to call a little bit of his will and a lot of my will um, and that was just ultimately not a good mix, you know, for me, it, it ultimately ended up being disastrous because we like, I don't know if you guys have ever encountered this, but for me, like anytime I try to do things my way or most times when I try to do things my way, it goes bad. And that was the case for me. In this case, it was disastrous. Um, anyways, back to the relationship. So we never really saw eye to eye. We were always disagreeing on very important things. Um, and anytime we would have arguments or not any single time, but there were several times that we had arguments that were very heated and aggressive. And I remember one day when we had um, an argument and I, the, I don't even know what the fight was about. Mostly I remember um, his body language, my feelings of being frightened and just his yelling over me and getting in my face and my fear that if I didn't appease to whatever it was that you know something bad could have happened or something worse I don't know I don't know but um I think you know for anyone it would have given them some pause but for me it didn't you see, I had this distorted view of what love was. I thought that was passion. 
Um, and I don't, I don't even like that word passion or passionate because I, I think it's toxic. Um, but I mean, I could have a whole nother episode on passionate, so we won't even go there. Uh, but after that part, I remember that, I guess that was the turning point. I remember that argument and everything that progressed afterwards, um, was pretty negative. We were constantly walking the line of breaking up and, and going back and forth. And, and then I was constantly walking the line of being in danger and I didn't know it. Um, so this is, you know, like what happens next after this is pretty difficult for me to explain. But I remember that I, I came a moment that I would, I realized I was no longer happy and you know, in all of my woe is me and my need and my desire to continue fulfilling my needs my own way um, and to seek my self-worth from men came the decision to step out on this relationship. So now this takes, you know, my sin to a whole other level. I'm with this man. I'm living with this man. Uh, we're having sex out of marriage I'm lying, I'm cheating, and I'm certainly not respecting others or loving others, right? Um, and sidebar, two things. I do not condone cheating, but I also believe that evil should never be repaid with evil. And that's Bible, okay? Um, secondly, if you're not happy with somebody, just leave. <laughs> uh, I learned this the hard way, just leave, because there's nothing that you can do to fix it. You can't fix other people. I, I learned that the hard way. But again, that's a whole other episode. Nevertheless, um, you know, I was stuck in this situation because ultimately I didn't know how to perceive love. I didn't know how to get love and I didn't know how to give love. And for me, um, when I reflect back on this part of my life, I think about how this ties back to the idea of loving God and loving others. Um, I didn't know God and it was evident in my actions and I didn't love God either. And so I think to myself now, well, of course you couldn't have loved that person or you couldn't have properly loved that person because you didn't love God. And I really do think that in order to love yourself and others, you really need to love God and you need to know who God is. Um, and at the time, I didn't know. I didn't know who God was. So, I mean, I, is that a justification for my uh, for my actions? Absolutely not. But I think that it's, it helps me to understand why I couldn't possibly treat myself good or others at the time. So, nevertheless, we'll go back to the relationship. My ex found out that I was cheating on him and the first time he found out, he was very violent. He threw me and he put his hands around my neck and I just, I remember the morning so clearly I wanted to yell. I wanted to yell for help because I was so scared, but nothing came out. And quickly after, you know, he realized what he had done, he had remorse, or so I thought he did. And that is very typical of abusers. They will have remorse almost instantly. 
Um, and then afterwards, that same in that same instance, um, it almost became a hostage situation because he started contemplating suicide and and attempting to hurt himself. I eventually de-escalated the situation, and nonetheless, it was very scary. Um, and most people would think that after something like that, you know, that would be the end of the relationship. But nope, that wasn't the end of it for me. You know, and I thought, I think I convinced myself that I was done with the relationship. At that point, we even moved out and separately um, at that point. And I convinced like my family I was done. I convinced my friends or maybe I didn't. I don't know. Maybe they knew <laughs> better than I did. But I certainly thought I was convinced of this being the end of the relationship. I even took legal action at that time. Um, nonetheless, like a month and, and I just want to, I actually want to backtrack real quick. So this is something that abuse victims often face is returning back to their abusers. And, um, for me, I didn't understand why I went back at first. It was really difficult for me to understand why I went back, especially because what I did decide to go back was when my life changed forever so I went back about a month after that and you know there was no violence when I came back there was um, just a lot of manipulation and a lot of toxic behavior occurring so I was like oh, well you know at the time I thought I was to blame you know I really took a lot of the blame for his rage at the time I was like well I deserved it and all this other stuff which was of course not the case because no one deserves violence um but I was like all right well he can check on me he can be compulsive and text me and call me and all this other stuff I, I was allowing it and it got toxic more toxic as the days went by you know and as as it got more toxic I think I was spiraling out more and what by spiraling out more, I mean, like, I was drinking more. I was, like, going out on weeknights. I was partying all the time. I was even seeing the other guy still. Like, I was really spiraling. And, and this was, like, as his behavior increased, too. So, total chaos. Total chaos. And it was a blur, honestly, from like the la like the last full month was a blur but particularly like the last week it's weird but because i call it a blur but in the same sense like it was so surreal that i remember most things um each week each not each week each night leading into the last day that he and i were together i truly i remember almost everything i remember what we had for dinner i remember you know, he, he asked me to sleep at his house every single night that night, that week. I, like, I wasn't able to go back home. So I had to, like, bring clothes. I had a bunch of stuff over there. Um, and it was just, yeah, it was impactful, but in a negative way, just because I remember every single thing. Like, I can't really explain it. But what I can explain is that there was a progression in that last week there was a progression from the 
charm in the beginning of the week. You know, I think we, we had conversations about the future, about getting married. And then ultimately it progressed to the end of the week. And there was more, there was aggression. There was more manipulation um, and ultimately anger on his end and a lot of fear on my end. So I remember that progression very clearly. The last evening that we were together, we went out for drinks and to the club to party. Um, I was doing a lot of heavy drinking back then. So a lot of the times I would black out um, or just really get to the point of being drunk that I couldn't recall um, or even be coherent in the moment. So I can't really recall if he was as drunk as me or not, but that's nonetheless the point. Um, when we got home or to his house and he lived alone, you know, I started to get ready for bed and he started going through my phone and he snapped on me like he I can't even tell I couldn't even tell you right to this day what it was that exactly that he saw on my phone. But I mean, it could be a number. It could have been a number of things, but um, I don't remember what it was, but he that night. He tried to kill me. And to and to spare the explicit details, I was very much conscious during the whole thing. Except for one time where I lost consciousness for maybe about 15 seconds. Because he put his hands around my throat and attempted to kill me. When I woke out of that state, I first thought to myself, well, my first thoughts were, I got to get out of here tonight or this man is going to kill me. And I, I must have had a million thoughts going through my mind. And not one of them was God. And that's really unfortunate. And I say unfortunate because now looking back, I was moments away from death. And I could only think about many uh, other people who find themselves in a similar predicament coming face to face with death um, and are in similar predicaments but they don't repent and if they die they're damned to eternal hell and for me I often think about that when I reflect back looking over that night you know what if I would have died I was a sinner I hadn't repented what would have happened to me I would have been damned to eternal hell. And I just, there's nothing that I can think about more than just the fact that the Lord delivered me from that, from that type of judgment. Because nonetheless, by way of escaping the apartment eventually, and ultimately the neighbor's um, help came. And I woke up in the hospital and I tell you, with the amount of trauma that my body went through, um, the ER doctor was pretty shocked. I didn't have any internal bruises or bleeding. I didn't have any permanent damage. Um, for strangulation, sometimes neuro neurological deficits come comes with it, and I didn't experience any. I had but two bruises and a couple marks around my neck, and maybe one scrape that they fixed up with a band-aid, so... I mean, he was out for blood that night and the Lord covered me. And I could only think 
to myself now that there's only one God that could do that and that and his name is Jesus. He really delivered me from something that could have been permanent. Um, and to this day, I'm just grateful that he did. Fast forward a year later. <laughs> so that was like in November of 2018. So fast forward a year later, I gave my life to Christ. So we're in November 2019. You know, it took me a year after that situation to really get my life on track and to be a sold out, you know, Christian for Jesus, because some people realized right away what miracle God did. But for me, it took some time. It was hard. It, it was very, I was battling mental illness with depression and, and, and self-esteem and self-worth issues. And so there were days that I didn't want to, I didn't, I wanted to give up. I wanted to go back as surprising as that sounds, you know, at, at, at the time, toxicity and stuff like that was the only thing that I knew to be normal. So stepping out into this world where I didn't have that and it was just different for me and I had to force myself you know I had to force myself through therapy and to go to church um there came a point in my time in 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 that year that I just was like I scheduled in church I scheduled in church on Wednesdays and um on Wednesdays and Sundays and I basically told myself I'm like well just go and I know that sounds so counterproductive, but it worked eventually. Like I just, I just went, I just went because I trusted that God would do something. I didn't know what, but I trusted that he would do something. Um, and then around June, 2019, you know, was when I started to really take my commitment to the Lord serious. I was praying daily. I was in my word daily. I made conscious decisions to go to church and to not create excuses um, no social thing in my life would come before it. Um, and I had to do I had to do this kind of structure, like I was talking about earlier, forcing myself to go to church because I didn't have external motivation like others did um, because I was still battling depression. Um, I had fear uh, for my life still because of this guy Um and I had issues being in social settings. So it wasn't, you know, I didn't just go in vain. I, I went with expectancy that God would do something. But also because I was like, you know, I have to do something. I have to go to church or nothing's going to change. I have to be surrounded by believers or nothing's going to change. Um and like I said earlier, eventually it just worked. And I can't say that I came, you know, well, in November of 2019, I decided to become a born again believer. I got baptized and professed my faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and my Savior. And it, you know, I don't, I didn't come to it for reward. I didn't come to the Lord for any blessing or reward. I came to him because I knew and I recognized that I couldn't do it any longer without him. Um, I needed to change and there was nothing in this world that was going to give me that but Jesus. 
And now looking back, I look at the last year since I became a born again believer. And sometimes I really doubt that I came this far or that I really or I doubt that I'm a new creation in Christ because, I, you know, of course, I still have my the things that the Lord is dealing with me, like sins that I'm still dealing with. But when I think about who that rose was back then and who I am today, it's just so different. And um, that just shows the power of the Lord, the, the power that um, he is able to, to to show you in your life, like uh, in your own life, because at the time I didn't recognize it. But now looking back, I look at that and I'm like, wow, that is just power. That is that transfer, that type of transformation from being a liar, a cheater, um, somebody who didn't feel worth or um, or who felt worthless, someone who was battling depression like all of that you know changed when I came to Christ I saw the worth over my life I saw the purpose that he had for me I saw how blessed I am um and I don't think that it's ever I don't think it ever ends you know I think we're called to a lifetime of trying to be Christ-like um so I don't think my transformation ends here but I do know that I couldn't have started it without putting my trust in the Lord and learning and really starting to put my trust in the Lord, learning that my identity was in Christ and trusting the Lord to help me become that identity, to help, to help mold me into the person that he told me that he wants me to be. You know, I didn't know those things back then. And Jesus is really a one-stop shop, y'all. <laughs> He is healer. He's counselor. He is provider. He is everything that you need. A friend. Like there was nights that I wanted to go back to what was familiar. I wanted to start another relationship with a man. I wanted to get busy um, with multiple jobs. And oh, yeah, that was another thing. Like I took I took a break. I took a step. Back. So at the time when this happened, I was an operations manager managing about 30 30 people and it was really hectic I had to take a step back and that's the that's the kind of work that I love I love to do that kind of work but because of my personal life I had to take a step back and that was so hard it was so hard for me to not be busy um because it left me with my thoughts and I'm like well now it's just me and Jesus you know and I had nothing to be busy with nothing to fix and no one to absolve myself in and I think that like that made a major difference in the woman you see today. You know, I I don't have anything else to say. That's my story, guys. Um, my prayer is that this inspires at least one person and that if anyone is in a similar situation, that they're encouraged to seek the Lord and to seek some help. Um, which leads me into the next part of this episode. I just want to let you guys know that um, there are resources if you are facing some of the similar, um, facing similar challenges to as I was facing. Sorry, got a little choked up. <laughs> uh, I can't, I still can't believe that the Lord is using me and using the story, um, to possibly help and inspire others and encourage others. So I am just sitting here gratified and humbled, um, that I'm able to do this. 
But like I, uh, as I was saying, guys, so if you guys, if any one of you are feeling like you guys are stuck in a similar situation, I'm going to be posting some resources along with this episode for you guys to use. But as always, I'm always an open ear. So if you guys have any, um, if you guys just want to talk, please just just talk just let me let me know i'll help put all my hand my handles my instagram handle twitter handle all that on here so you guys have it but um i'm always willing to be a listening ear and if of course if you can't talk to me talk to someone you trust or talk to someone near you i would say definitely use the resources the hotlines that i'm going to post because they are really good resources for you and will help you in your time of need I truly believe, again, like I said, that I am on this earth with a purpose to use my voice and my story to help others um, be edified in, in the kingdom, help myself be edified, but but truly um, give courage and hope and inspire others that really need to step, take that step towards healing with Jesus. Um, again, thank you guys for listening. I'm overwhelmed with emotions in completing this episode. I'm so excited for the next episodes. I have pretty amazing guests coming on to chat with you guys or with me and tell us about their own stories. Um, Again, like I said, my name is Rosalie Janelle and this is the Good News Podcast. Thank you. What's going on, listeners? I'm so glad that you guys tuned into episode one and you made it this far. Two things. I just want to thank you guys for listening. And I hope that you guys are encouraged. I hope somebody is inspired. Like I said, if only one person would be inspired by my story, that is A-OK with me. But I know that the Lord is using my voice to be a foundation for others to start their own healing process for similar issues that they face. And I can't be more humbled to be able to do that. Secondly, I realized after I stopped recording that I forgot to pray out our session. So I'm going to do that now. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to use my voice and Father, to use my story. Your word says that all things work together for those who love you according to your will. And I just want to thank you for your saving grace, oh, Father. Thank you for my listeners. I pray that in listening to this, they were encouraged to take one step towards reconciling with you, Lord, and that they be um, encouraged to reach out to you, oh, Father, because we know that your word says that you will knock at the door, oh, Father, but it is up to us to open the door and let you in. Father, thank you so much for everyone under the sound of my voice. I just pray blessings and abundance over all who listen today. And I ask these things, oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.